What's up, Dream Warriors? Welcome back to another episode of a podcast on Elm Street. I'm Mark. And I'm Brooke. And this is our first episode of March. And if you guys listened to our last episode of February, you already know what the theme is. But in case you didn't, this month's theme is March musicals. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not just any musicals. They have to be horror musicals. We are still a horror podcast, but... Uh, just thought it'd be fun to shake things up a little bit. It's both of our birthday months, so figured mm-hmm. we'd uh, have a little singing and dancing party while we celebrate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and kicking off the month of March, we are going to be talking about one of my favorite horror musicals, if if you will, um, in Corpse Bride from 2005. Yes, yes, yes. You know, whenever I was thinking of movies to do for this month, this one wasn't even on my radar. And then I got thinking a little bit harder of like what I could do. And I was like looking up lists online and I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? Fuck it. I love this movie. And it's in the same vein as like The Nightmare Before Christmas and whatnot, which is considered a musical, I would say. Yeah, um, for sure. So I said, fuck it. We're doing this one. Nice. <laughs> well, it's a good pick. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Before we hop into this, what have you been up to this week, Brooke? Uh, This week, I've been up to literally nothing at all, really. Elden Ring since Friday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Addicted. Um, I've watched one full movie. Uh, Wow. It's nothing nothing exciting. It's just a boring-ass documentary about um, the Boeing company. Okay. It's on Netflix called Downfall, the case against Boeing. Uh, it's pretty boring. I don't know. I just look up on the internet what <laughs> happened with it. <laughs> it's not that exciting. Uh, and another movie that I've honestly, I've taken like four tries to get through. Um, it's a 2021 horror movie and it's called Aftermath. Oh, it's not good. Uh, I don't know. It's a long and it's not really exciting. It's kind of boring. So, huh. shit. Yeah, that was going to be on uh, one of the. Well, I wanted to watch it. Is what I was trying to say. But yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, so I think I got like twenty minutes left. But I don't know. I'm having a hard time getting through it. Mm-hmm. Well, shit. Yeah, it's not really scary at all. Really, either. I don't know. The synopsis made it sound like it was pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. Guess not. But yeah, that's, uh, well, I mean, we did finish Love is Blind, um, so that's exciting. <laughs> uh, now we've started Love is Blind Japan. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's actually interesting. It's, we're like three episodes in, and it's pretty cool to see like the different way that they go about things. Okay. Is it like the um, same type of people that are in Love is Blind? Yeah, yeah, like, what do you mean? Like, I don't know, like, all these reality shows, like, it, they typecast. Oh, like, no, no, I feel like, like Love is Blind all... is kind of different, like... It is in not a way, but... All gorgeous, but... I don't know, it's just interesting, the J- Japanese version, like, in the American one, you know, right away they say, like, I love you, I love you, all that, and then 
they like kiss when they meet, but like the Japanese one, like no one has said I love you yet. Oh wow. And only one couple so far have actually kissed each other. Huh. And like they're asking like the important questions, like I feel like in the American one is just kind of like bullshit questions, but in this one, like they're actually asking like, okay, what do you like to spend your money on? And like Oh, okay. Kind of like real questions. Hmm. So it's kind of cool to see the difference between like the eastern and the western ways yeah. of uh of life that, that's honestly a great question to ask somebody if you don't know them <laughs> like because you could be <laughs> yeah. you could be getting in with like some compulsive spender who just like blows their money on everything yeah and then like there's one guy who is still living in like the old ways of like the japanese like asian style where like he goes out and works and then he expects like the wife to be at home cooking and like yeah, okay he even like said that he like i i want someone who stays home and does housework basically Shit. yeah but uh yeah that's pretty much it you're addicted to reality tv oh uh, a little bit <laughs> need to hold an intervention for you <laughs> um i've had a equally as boring week okay um well i guess like we just recorded on what tuesday and it's Sunday now, so yeah. I guess I guess we have a good enough excuse. Um, <laughs> but uh, I finally finished uh, the Suicide Squad. Oh, nice! So now what I can start think? watching Peacemaker. About damn time! <laughs> um, I love the movie. I thought it was really good. Yeah. It uh, it was obviously a lot different than the first one that they came out with, and like I didn't really know a lot of the characters in this one, like obviously, you know, Harley Quinn and, uh, um, bloodshot and killer or it's a King shark. Yeah. 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 King shark. But like the other ones I didn't really recognize, like I've never even heard of peacemaker until this movie came out. Yeah. Um, me too. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was telling you, I think King shark is probably like one of my favorite DC characters now. And, I would love to see him get a spinoff show. Uh, yeah. I just thought he was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. He was good. Um, without giving too much away, what do you think of that fucking opening scene? Oh <laughs> like the God, first man. 10 minutes. <laughs> we, uh, we were in the theater, like just losing our minds. Like, Oh my God, this is fucking great. It was insane, man. It was insane. I like whenever it happened, I was like, okay, well, we see Harley, but like, and Rick Flag, I'm like, who the fuck are the rest of these people? Yeah, and, then, yeah. and like, you find out what's going on, and I was like, oh my god, that is insane. Yeah, fucking weasel. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I forgot about that little fucker. He was funny too. Oh <laughs> uh, shit, I might go back and just rewatch the first like 20 minutes just so I can watch all his stuff again. Yeah. Oh uh, shit, that was funny. Um. And then I watched a 2021 horror movie that I had on my like to watch list for a while now okay. uh, called The Gin. Like The Gin? Yeah, like D J I N N, like Oh, like a like a genie. Yeah, like a wishmaster kind of thing. Um it was okay. I gave it two and a half stars out of 5. It was kind of boring but also like not super boring at the same time. Like it was short enough that I didn't lose a lot of interest throughout it. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, it was all right. I mean, 
it's part of the list that we're kind of working our way through. So yeah, maybe you'll watch it eventually. It wasn't too nice. bad. And um, been reading and I've also been playing Elden Ring since Friday. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, Sarah finished inventing Anna last night and I watched the last episode with her. <laughs> uh, yeah. She kind of gave me a, a rundown of like what was going on. And like, I already knew the story of uh, Anna Sorokin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that last episode is really fucking good. <laughs> nice. And it was the length of a movie. So I just felt like I was watching a movie. Oh, wow. That's insane. I saw Seth was talking about it and like all the episodes are like really lot, really long. Oh yeah, man. Like that final episode is like an hour and 15 or an hour and 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, not a whole lot. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm finally almost done my Into the Dome book. I got like, I'm like 80% done. So I think I got like maybe a little less than a couple hundred pages left. Yeah, that's a big book. Yeah, yeah. I've been following your progress on it on Goodreads. <laughs> yeah, I want to get it done. Like, uh, yeah. I just want to know like how it ends. I don't mm-hmm. know. That was like me with Fellowship of the Ring because, like, I just finished that this week too. Oh and yeah, yeah. It like, man, I love the movies so so much. They're fucking like flawless movies, but this book was so boring, dude. Are you hoping Two Towers is better? Yeah, and I think it will be because Two Towers is my favorite movie oh. in the trilogy. And, like, there's obviously a lot more action in that one. Like, this one was just, like, a lot of traveling and, like, camping out and, Uh like, just meeting the characters and whatnot. And I was just like, ah, like, I already know all these people. It's not interesting. I've seen the movie, like, a hundred friggin' times. Yeah. But Now that you've read the book, are you going to go back and watch the movie, maybe? I might. But, like, we just did that roundtable with Chuck and porcelain yeah. and all them like not that yeah. long ago so i don't know it's a big commitment it is yeah i kind of want to go through because i have crave again we've already talked yeah. about this but I, uh, they have the whole harry potter collection on there so i think i want to go through those movies again nice nice you sound like you got a jet engine going on in your background well it's my computer i don't know why <laughs> it's making <laughs> that like, sound what Sounds like you're taking off. Bettina gave me her stand from works, so it's like on a stand, like facing vertical. So maybe oh, yeah, it, yeah. that's why you can hear the fan more, maybe. I don't yeah. know. It's not like not like I don't know, it's not gonna fuck anything up or anything. It's just oh, sounds okay. funny. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you're preparing for takeoff. <laughs> <clears throat> Anyways, you ready to talk about this movie? Yes, sir. All right. Let's cue that theme music and dive in.
right, like we said in the intro this week, we are talking about 2005's Corpse Bride for episode one of our March musicals. Very nice. Starting off the synopsis. Uh, oh, what are you drinking? What are you drinking? You almost <laughs> forgot. Caught myself. <laughs> um, I am out of beer. I finished my case of Miller Lite. Uh, so I am maybe going to finish off my Howler Head whiskey. Oh, nice. I got like a little bit left, so I'll probably finish it tonight. That shit's so good, man. I need to it buy is. a bottle. What's a... Uh, what are you drinking? I'm still working on my bush. Still. Very nice. You're clean with the cracks. Clean with the cracks. That's bush, baby. <laughs> All right. Starting off the synopsis of this movie. When a shy groom practices his wedding vows in an in the inadvert presence of a deceased young woman, she rises from the grave, assuming he has married her. Yep. Yep. That's pretty much what happens. <laughs> yep, that's the whole movie. Shut it off now. Uh, yeah. Um, this movie was directed by Tim Burton, obviously. Uh, I'm not going to go through his movie list. We've done enough of his movies, and he's Tim fucking Burton. So, um, But I am going to ask you a question. Okay. Where does this movie rank for you in Tim Burton's movies? Uh, honestly, not that high because I only like it's a, it's a okay movie, like it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I only watched it for the first time, I think, last year. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. like I've always seen the cover of the movie, but just never watched it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's it's a good movie, but for me, like. Tim Burton wise, it's not up there for me. Mm-hmm. And that's understandable. I mean, he has like, I mean, he's Tim Burton. He's, yeah. he has some of the most classic movies out there. Right. So yeah. it's hard to like, this is just, this movie isn't anything spectacular in the, in the vein of Tim Burton, but it, it's no. very Burton esque, obviously. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's, I don't know, it's definitely in, like, my top ten, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess it would be. But, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I think I like Frank and Weenie better than this one. See, I haven't seen Frank and Weenie. It's good. I'll have to check it out. Um, moving on to the cast list, we obviously have Johnny Depp playing Victor. Again, I'm not going to bother going through his movie list. Yeah, we've talked uh, about him a few times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And same with Helena Bonham Carter. I mean, everybody knows who she is. We're going to be talking about both of these characters later on in the month, or both of these actors later on in the month as well. Um, yeah. So maybe we can dive a little bit more into them later on. But yeah, yes. we'll have Chuck on that episode too. So I'm sure he'll have something to say. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, she plays Corpse Bride, or Emily is her actual name. Uh, Emily Watson plays Victoria. Um, she is known for Punch Drunk Love, Red Dragon, Gosford Park, and Everest. Mm-hmm. She was also in uh, Chernobyl miniseries. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant to put that down. Have um, you seen that yet? No, I haven't. Dude, it's on Crave. I highly recommend it. Yeah. It's only five episodes. 
it's not that I like haven't wanted to watch it. It's just, I don't know. It was one of those ones that just kind of got pushed to the side. And then it's been so fucking yeah. long now that I just haven't watched it. Right. But yeah, I should. <laughs> Cause I've heard nothing but great <laughs> things about it. Um, and for our fourth cast member, I didn't really know who to pick. Um, so I picked one of the more interesting actors Okay. Um, and that is N. Reiter, or Reiter. Uh, he played the maggot and the town crier. <laughs> and I know it's an unconventional pick, but I wanted to pick him because he is a voice actor and he's done some really cool voice acting. So he he played Billy in Dead Silence, so the puppet, mm-hmm. yeah, which I thought was cool. Uh, He was in Tintin, the animated movie. Uh, He played Alfred in the Batman Telltale series, um, the video games. Uh, He was in Skyrim, Kingdoms of Amalur, and like a shit ton of other games that we've played and like a bunch of like animated stuff that that we're fans of. Yeah. So that's kind of why I went with him. And the maggot is one of my favorite characters in this movie. Nice. I thought he was very funny. funny. Yeah. But then we also have some really good honorable mentions for me, anyways. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you want to? Who do you have? Uh, well, I had Michael Gao or Go. I don't know. He played Alfred in the OG Batman's. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Denny Elfman actually. Makes an appearance as uh, Bone Jangles. <laughs> yeah. Which is a great name. Agreed. Um, so, yeah, I also had Danny Elfman, and then I had Christopher Lee, who plays yeah. the pastor. Um, R.I.P. Christopher Lee. Mm-hmm. And then I have Deep Roy, who plays General Bones Apart. Okay. What's he from? Uh, he played the Oompa Loompas in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, sorry. Like the new one? Yeah, with Johnny Depp. Uh, okay. I haven't watched that movie since it came out because it was fucking trash. What? Come on. <laughs> I haven't watched it in a long time, but I do remember loving it whenever it first came out. But I was also like, I was a big Johnny Depp homer back then. Like, oh, yeah. Anything he did, I was all for it. Um, <laughs> so maybe I was a little biased. I don't know. But yeah, that's all I have for honorable mentions. Very nice. So if you're ready, I'm ready, and we can dive into this. Let's do it. Uh, so typical opening, classic Danny Elfman score, mm-hmm. which, again, to me, they all kind of sound the same. But yes. I guess that's just his like style, I guess, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we talked about this during our Edward Scissorhands episode, right? Like, you could just not even know that he did the score for their movie, and you would just know that it was his. Right. Um, and actually, speaking of score, nothing really to do with this movie, but have you seen the latest issue with the fucking Oscars? No. They removed eight categories from, like, the ceremony. Okay. And one of them is for best original score. Why the fuck would they remove that? Yeah. 
And like the Oscars already get so much flack and yeah. they just made it worse a <laughs> viewing experience because they got rid of eight categories and one of them was uh yeah, original score. I think there was like editing was in there. Um there's a few other big ones that they have taken out. That's crazy. Like the score makes the movie half the time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And like the editing, why would they like, Oh my God. Like, I'm just, as soon as you said editing, all I could think of was Mad Max Fury Road. And like now people that are that good, aren't going to get the recognition that they deserve. Exactly. Like the, uh, the categories that like mean more than, well, I guess not mean more, but I don't know. I guess to those people, it means more because they're not in spot. Like some, like some of the actors and actresses, right? Yeah, exactly. Like they're just as much of a part of the the making of a film as like as anybody else is, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so one thing with this opening scene, I wanted to ask you: at the yeah. end of the movie, the corpse bride turns into butterflies. Mm-hmm. Do you think that has anything to do with the butterfly we see at the beginning? Do you think that? Lord Barwick maybe had just killed her and like she turned into a butterfly or something or like, what do you think? Hmm. Or am I just overlooking this whole butterfly? Well, we know that Victor is like, he's a fan of butterflies and shit like that. Like, cause he, he catches the one and he draws one and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know. I, the way I take it is that there's like beauty in death. Any, like, mm-hmm. like it doesn't have to just be like a grotesque thing. Like that's yeah. what I took with the, the ending. And like, cause we see at the end, we see Victor kind of coming around with uh, Emily. Yeah. So it was almost like he was starting to see her like true inner beauty. Uh, okay. Okay. And he, and he loves butterflies. So I was thinking like, maybe it was sort of like a, a callback to that. I don't know. That's oh, a good question though. I don't that's know. That's a good point. Yeah. Kind of ties him and her together, I guess then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause that's I think start. that, I think that Barkus killed her a while ago. Cause oh, okay. we can see the difference in decay between like with the dead people, right? Like some mm-hmm. of them are skeletons. Um, and then like, uh, when Mayhew dies, he just turns blue whenever he shows up in the afterlife. Yeah. But like Emily or yeah, Emily is like in between, like she's still has her body, but she's like rotting away at the same time. Right. So I feel like she's been dead for a while. Huh? So do you think that they were married for a while because she's like in the bridal dress still? So do you think that he killed her like right away? Yeah, um, I don't think she. I don't think they were married for very long before he killed them. Killed her. Sorry. No. Yeah. Because she's almost like that. a. She's almost like. Um, it was an episode of the Supernatural. I can't remember what it was called. It was like the Scorn Scorn Bride or something like that. And it's like the same sort of thing. Like the bride was killed on her wedding day, so her ghost comes back wearing the her wedding gown. Okay. Right. So that's kind of what I was taking it as. Like she was killed in her wedding gown, like on mm-hmm. the day of their wedding. Yeah. 
I was also thinking, like, if she was maybe alive whenever she was buried, because, like, her hand's sticking out of the fucking ground, so I was like... <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. I was never she, thought of that. Was she still alive? Like, was she reaching up, you know? Because in the olden days, they had to put bells down below, mm-hmm. like, in the, like, the nun they have for, like, a good scene in that movie with uh, that bell. I mean, that'd yeah. be fucking terrifying. For sure. Yeah, that'd be um, fucking crazy. So I wonder if she was, like... Maybe not fully dead when she was buried because her like hand was sticking out, or maybe it just she was mm-hmm. there a while. So you just didn't bury her deep enough. I don't know. Maybe that's yeah. a good point, though. I never really thought of that. <laughs> uh, what do you think of the opening song? Um, I like it. It's not anything spectacular, uh, but I mean, it, it's enough to get you interested in in what's going on. I guess. Yeah, and it's a good way to kind of introduce the beef of the story. Yeah, that's very true. Because it's kind of like explaining like both families and uh, the Van Dorts are this rich family who own like a fish market or something like that. And they want their son Victor to marry. uh, What's the other family's name? Uh, The Everglots. Everglots who aren't that rich they're kind of poor right now but they like they have a long or the husband has a long family history so i don't know what the fuck they did with all their money but yeah because we just know that they're bankrupt at this point yeah and i like how both uh parents are like total opposites yeah yeah (laughs) like uh the van dorts are like kind of normal looking but then the other one is like the husband is like short and fat. And then the wife is like super tall and has like wild ass hair. <laughs> Giant ass chin. Uh-huh. The, uh, um, oh, what's his name? Everglot there. The, the husband, he, uh, he reminds me of like if Pugsley from the Adams family grew up, yeah, that's like a just good point. Yeah. Short and round. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> but like the the rich, well, the supposedly rich family, like the Everglots, they seem like they're rich. They do, Where, yeah. Whereas the Van Dorts, they don't seem like they're rich. It's like they're very humble with their money. That's what I was thinking. It seems like the Van Dorts are smarter with their money. Mm-hmm. And then... The other family, I keep forgetting their name, Everglot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They had a lot of money, but I don't know. They got like nannies and uh, like maids and all that stuff. And yeah, the Van Dorns, they really, from what we see at least, they only have like a driver who drives their carriage around. Mm-hmm. The Van Dorns are like Adam Sandler or Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Rich as fuck, but like. Very humble with their money. Yeah, that's fair. And I like how it was uh, kind of giving you hints that um, Mayhew was dying the whole mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Nell, I think is her name, was just like, Mayhew, stop your coughing. <laughs> and it's like, the dude probably has the plague or some shit like that. Well, he's a, he's a heavy pipe smoker too, so yeah, probably has some fair. lung cancer. Yeah. 
Um, I love the scene whenever the families meet and the one Everglot, the Lord, the like wife tells him like to smile and he like can't smile. So he's like trying to farce it. <laughs> I was laughing so hard at that. Yeah. And like in this first meeting too, like we really kind of learn that, well, like Victor and Victoria have never met each other before. So it's very much an arranged marriage from like back in the old Victorian days. Yeah. Um, but like, we kind of get a little bit of a sense of who they are in this opening scene too. Like Victor's yeah. very clumsy. He's very quiet. Like the synopsis says he's a very shy person, um, but he's very talented as well. Yeah. And he's been encouraged by his parents to, to tap into this talent of like with the piano and whatnot. Uh-huh. And Victoria hears him playing and she's like, Oh, I've always wanted to learn, but like my parents won't let me. So it's like, she lives a very, very secluded life. It seems like, and she has to fit this profile of this like rich aristocrat. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, they're not even uh-huh. like these, these motherfuckers are bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. They do a very good job at pretending the rich. Cause lol, like later in the movie, Farwick, you know, he gets fucked over and, you know, <laughs> fucking or Barkus or Barkus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like he realizes they're not fucking rich. They're poor. <laughs> they're marrying into the rich. Yeah. To get them out of the bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that they had Victor play piano because it kind of adds to the whole soundtrack and like the score of the movie. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, because I was looking up, uh, I was looking up the soundtrack after I watched the movie, mm-hmm. and Spotify has like the full soundtrack. And one of them, I can't yeah. remember what it was called, but it was just that song that Victor was playing, and it's it's a really good song. Like I love piano. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm a metalhead, but I also love classical music. It's fucking weird, yeah. <laughs> but it's just yeah, it was a, it's a really really nice song that that they play. So mm-hmm. yeah, I like it too. And then whenever they're like, they're not about to kiss, but they're like alone together. And the mom like walks in. She's like, what are you guys doing? It's a minute before rehearsal. You guys can't, aren't allowed to be alone together. She's like freaking out. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do wish we had more of a kind of a backstory on uh, the maid. I forget what her name is. Uh, Hildegard? Hildegard. Yeah, yeah. Um, because she seems to really care a lot about Victoria mm-hmm. and like, she just wants what's best for her and tries to help her out a lot. Like whenever the mom locks her in the room, you can see that she doesn't want to and all that stuff. Well, it's probably like the typical, like she's, she's the nanny, right? So she probably mm-hmm. raised Victoria most of her life yeah. while, while the rich parents did, kind of did their own thing. That's true. So and she I wonder probably if it's has kind of. I'll go ahead. I was going to say she probably just has a better relationship with Victoria than her parents do. Yeah, and I wonder if it's like a British thing because in like Spencer the movie, um, she only really wants this one maid to like help her out, who like she like connects with and stuff like that. So I wonder if that's kind of like the same. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they have their wedding rehearsal and. Cuts to three hours later, so I don't know if they've been <laughs> practicing for three hours. I would assume so, the way that it was going, yeah. <laughs> um, 
And I'm not sure if I liked how they wrote Lord Barkus into this movie. Because, like, he kind of just yeah. shows up. Mm-hmm. But then, like, the rich family, like, I guess they're so rich and they, they don't really care about family. They're just like, who are you? Like, are you on uh, Nell's side? Or are you on William's side? Or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they don't even, like, they're just like, okay, get a chair for Lord, Lord Barkus. And then he's just in their house, like, sleeping there. They don't even know who this guy is. Yeah. So I think, I think like on Barkus's side, I think he just sees this, this big giant Victorian house, assumes that the people are rich. Um, For sure. I don't know if he is planning on crashing, like if his initial plan was to crash the wedding or to uh, like whisk someone away from the family so that he can marry into wealth. Um, But on their side, on the, on the Everglot side, I think they're like, just not like starstruck in or anything like that, but they're like, Oh my God, like there's a Lord in our house. Um, mm-hmm. We can, we can portray this image of being rich again um, because we have someone of such a high, high uh, like ranking, I guess we could say okay. in our house. Yeah. So I don't think they like wanted to turn him away and I don't know, kind of take that status away maybe yeah that makes sense that makes sense but i do agree they're like it's crazy <laughs> you, yeah you don't you don't know who this guy is <laughs> like you could be anybody <laughs> yeah i mean he looks evil come on yeah but i guess so are the parents so this fucking jay leno chin and his beady eyes <laughs> yeah um i really love the rehearsal whole scene of Victor like stumbling forward mm-hmm. and Victoria's like not even faced by it. She's just like there helping him to like light the candle and mm-hmm. the pastor's like losing his damn mind and stuff. <laughs> uh, that whole scene is hilarious. Yeah, it's really good. And like the ring rolls underneath uh, Victoria's mother's dress and he lights her yeah. dress on fire. It's yeah. just <laughs> craziness all around. Yeah, and then like the pastor asks for the rain. He's like, oh, I hope you brought the rain in. The dad like stuck up his finger like, okay, at least you did that. And then he <laughs> fucks up even more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the scene where he meets the corpse bride, he is like stumbling over remembering the vows. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, I also, I love the, uh, the town yeller, I guess is his name. <laughs> town crier. A town crier. And Richter's like on the bridge. He's like, oh, how can this get any worse? And the town crier is like, Van Dorn boy ruins <laughs> <laughs> wedding rehearsal. And oh man, it's so funny. Yeah, he's great. Uh, so yeah, he's like in the woods and he's trying to remember the vows. And then he, I guess, gets up the courage to like remember them. And he's doing this whole thing. And then he, I, I don't know if he thought it was a branch but he puts the rain on this dead hand, which I guess, I don't know if he realized it was one, but yeah, I think, I think he just assumed it was a branch. Cause like it looks like a branch. It did. Yeah. Right. And it's dark. He's in a dark forest. So mm-hmm. I would assume he was just like, Oh, this branch looks like a hand. I can practice with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I really like this introduction of the corpse bride. I think it's pretty creepy and like the colors and just the way it was like animated, I thought it was really cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking fantastic. Agreed. Because he's like running away and she's like chasing after him, but kind of like that ghost like chase. And then he gets the bridge and all the crows fly away and he's like, Mm -hmm. doesn't see her. And then she just like pops up and she like goes in for a kiss him and he's just like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Uh, I I can't remember what she says to him, but she's like madly in love with him, like right from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did you like the foreshadowing with the crows? What's the foreshadowing with the crows? Well, what's a group of crows called? Um, a uh, fuck. What are they called again? A murder. Oh, a murder crows. Okay, Ah. I get it. So whenever she shows up, the murder of crows fly away. Oh, very nice. I see what you did there. I can't take credit. I saw it online. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they end up going, I guess, I don't know where this world is because they all, when they're down there, they always reference like upstairs. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's hell. It's just like, I guess, kind of like the other side of the, the living maybe. Yeah. Well, I think in Beetlejuice, don't they go underground as well? Like, I think it's just like Tim Burton sees the, like i don't know under the ground as like the place of death i wonder like what religious background he is that's a great question let's look that up all right you do it because i was also looking it up but i'll let you uh (laughs) (laughs) you go for it (laughs) while you do that i'm gonna pour myself some more whiskey okay um he grew up in a protestant household but he no longer has any attachment to religion okay Interesting. Um, he grew up in a cookie cutter suburban neighborhood filled with picket fence Protestants. Conformity was expected and praised in his childhood home, and Burton was not impressed. I think during Edward Scissorhands, didn't we mention that too? That like he modeled that town off of his hometown or a town that he was familiar with or something like that? Yes, definitely. I remember that. Because everything is all like just fucking cookie cutter throughout it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what do you think of the design and style of like the underground characters in that whole world? I love it. Yeah, love it. Um, I talk about it in my review later on. Um, so I'm not. Uh, I don't know if I want to dive in. Yeah, fuck it. You asked the question. I'm just going to answer it. <laughs> I-, I loved the contrast between the dead world and the living world. Yeah. The living world is all gray and drab and dark and everybody's fucking miserable. Mm-hmm. And then you, you go underground where everybody's dead and it's just a fucking party, man. Yeah. Like you got bone jangles singing these like swing songs and like jazz <laughs> songs and they're at a bar and everybody's happy and they're partying and they're dancing and everything's very colorful. And yeah. I, I love the contrast between the two worlds. Mm hmm. It reminded me so much of Coco. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, whereas I think I, I I don't necessarily like this one more, but I think it does a great job of differentiating the living world and like the dead world. Mm-hmm. Like the alive world in this movie, you know, typically Tim Burton is like very dark and dreary and mm-hmm. like uh, gothic. Mm-hmm. And then when he switches to 
the underground world, it's like lively. They're having a party. It's colorful. Um, yeah, I really like it. So like in Coco, they're celebrating the Day of the Dead, right? Yeah. And so I'm wondering if like Tim Burton is just like if he has, if he's a fan of like the celebrating of the dead or what it is. But it seems like all of his movies that have death in them are very bright and vibrant, like mm-hmm. when portraying the dead people. Yeah. But yeah, I love it. I love the contrast. Yeah, it has a lot of uh, cool characters. Like you got Paul the head waiter. And I love like, the, the little jokes that I'd like to have like in this movie. Like, yeah, you know, he says, oh, I'm Paul the head waiter. And then he like kind of laughs a little bit. He's um, literally just a head with feet. Yeah, there's like a f- another one I wrote down somewhere. General Bones Apart. For yeah, yeah, Bones yeah, apart. him. <laughs> um, then later at the end, whenever uh, William's dad shows up, he's like, hey, where do you keep the spirits? And he has like a, a glass in his hand. Uh, yeah. Well, and even like bone, j- bone jangles, right? Like bojangles is the real word. Mm-hmm. Like bone jangles. Yeah. Um, I do like this corpse bride song that they sing kind of like explaining. Mm-hmm. Cause Victor's like down there and he's alive still, which I don't get how the worlds work. Like they can just go back and forth. Like he's alive, but down there. So like, how is he allowed down there? And then like at the end, at the end of the movie, like everyone goes up to the up world, but then for them to get back in the middle of the movie, they like drink a potion or some shit like that. Yeah. It's weird. I don't, I don't quite understand that aspect of it. I mean, we're probably not supposed to think this deed bound about this movie, but (laughs) we're talking about it, so we have to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that's a plot hole or if if there's just some deeper meaning that we're just not getting with it, but Mm -hmm. I agree with you. It's it's odd. Yeah. And I did like the kind of hint that they had uh, of showing, like, oh, when they're explaining, like, oh, she was married once, but the the husband killed her and and like on the wall they have like the shadows mm-hmm. and you can tell clear as day that is lord barkus yes yeah like on the shadow mm-hmm. um yeah the characters like you said uh i love the one uh general bones apart or whatever yeah um and like the talking maggot i think one of them i forget who he says but he's just like Fetch me my musket. <laughs> <laughs> I liked to, I think, was it Bone Apart? Yeah, because Bones Apart takes a drink and then Bojangles pulls his sword out of his chest and the mm-hmm. drink just like pours out of him into a glass and then Bones Bone Jangles drinks it and he's just a skeleton. So it just like yeah. falls through him and he burps and then he starts a song. It was just like... Yeah. There's just a lot of fun things that are happening in this whole scene. Yeah. Just kind of all over the place. And whenever Victor's like running away and he like runs to the shop and it's like, it says like secondhand shop (laughs) and has all these hands and barrels. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Or arms and barrels. That is funny. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I kind of do feel for Emily 
there's this like at this scene, especially whenever, you know, she saves Victor and she's like, has him sit on the bench and he's like, I don't even know like your name. And she's like, Oh, it's Emily. And then she gives him like the gift of his dog scraps that he used to have. Mm-hmm. And like you can tell that, I don't know if she loved him or just loved the idea of marriage. I think that's more what it is. Like she, I feel like she sensed good with him. Yeah. And knew that he like was a good person. So she was, I don't know, like smitten by him, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah, everything moves so quickly with their relationship. If you want to call it that. Yeah. Like, like how you said, like she instantly thought she was married to him. She bought him the, or not bought him, but she brought him the wedding gift and she's telling uh, the maggot that lives in her head that because he mentioned something about her boyfriend. She's like, he's not my boyfriend. He's my husband. And mm. like all this stuff. Meanwhile, yeah. like the maggot is trying to be sensical with her and being like, you don't even know this guy. And whenever Victor's like, oh, like, I don't even know your name. And <laughs> the maggot's like inside of her head. You can hear him like echoing. And he's like, oh, that's a good thing to know on your wedding day. Yeah. <laughs> Shit like that. Yeah, he's kind of like uh, her, like self-conscious in a way. Yeah, like Jiminy Cricket in a sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so now, so Victor is trying to get back to the real world. So he kind of convinces her that, like, oh, you got to meet my parents. So they go see this guy, uh, Elder Gutnecht, I think is his name. Yeah. Um, and he's like, he must have been dead a long ass time. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's old as hell. He's like skulls cracked and yeah. he has like a long beard and stuff. Uh, so he's like making a potion for them to go home. So they get home and Victor goes and talks with Victoria. And then the corpse bride shows up and kind of takes Victor away. Mm-hmm. And then... They're like back on her ground and she's like pissed at him. She's I love when she says like, oh, you don't like me. It's my eye, isn't it? Because <laughs> it keeps falling out on her. Yeah. 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 That's the only thing that's wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> I do like I feel I really feel like Victor and Victoria really do love each other, though, like in such a short amount of time. Yeah, I feel feel like they just like they see each other as sort of an escape from where they are like victor doesn't want to continue on with his family business she doesn't want to be like a i don't know an asshole like her parents are Mm -hmm. so i feel like they um uh what's the word that i'm looking for i don't know they mesh well together yeah they do yeah uh so we get another song kind of um the maggot and what's the spider's what's the spider's name again? Do you remember? Uh, she was a black widow. Uh, just black widow spider. Oh, okay. So they're kind of singing the song, trying to like cheer her up and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then back in the real world, uh, she is about to marry Lord Bark. No, that's not yet. Oh yeah, before this she's like about to marry Lord Barkus. Mm-hmm. And then she is like telling her parents that he married a corpse. And they're like, "Oh, you're crazy. Like put her up like in the in the room." 
And like Hildegard is so nice. Like she doesn't want to lock her up. And then she mm-hmm. like escapes. She goes to the pastor. She's like trying to explain. And he ends up bringing her back to the house. And this is when the parents are trying like, okay, what are we going to do? And then Lord Barkas comes and he says, oh, she married. I think he tells, oh, he brings in the, uh, the what you say? Crier. Town crier. <laughs> I love that scene when he comes in. She's like, he's like, tell them what you, you said out there. And he says it like his normal crier voice, like loud as hell. <laughs> and he's like, now the weather. And then he gets cut off. That is hilarious. Yeah, it's great. He's, he's a very good, like minor character. Yeah, kind of the comedic relief. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lillard Barkas convinces them to marry her daughter to him. Mm-hmm. And and then Mayhew dies. He they're, they're, <laughs> they're driving around trying to find Victor, and he starts coughing again. And then Nell's just like, uh, Mayhew, stop your coughing. And then he just like, Fucking keels over. Keels over in the middle of the street. <laughs> and the carriage runs him over. Yeah. Uh, and just keep going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I did love the uh, scene with Victor playing the piano with Emily. Yes. Yeah. I it thought it was really good. cool. <clears throat> and I think that was almost like a little bit of the turning point for Victor. Yeah. Because I have right. a question coming up. Okay. About this. Do you have more to say or? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I just wasn't sure if you were going to ask the question now or not. Um, Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, um, so before that Victor or Barkis is marrying Victoria. She doesn't want to clearly, but they're mm -hmm. married now. And this is the one part of the movie I didn't understand is it seemed like where did Victor's turn come from of where he, decided that he was just going to die because he hears Victoria or Emily talking to the chefs and, Mm -hmm. and then the elder comes in and he's like, we got a problem with your marriage. Like the marriage is obviously till death do us part Mm -hmm. and you're dead. So that just pretty much the marriage, he can say, Oh, you're dead. So the marriage is over. Yeah. And he's kind of explaining that like, or one thing that can happen is Victor can die and then you can get properly married. Mm-hmm. And Victor hears this whole thing. Like he sees it. Yeah. But then he decides to go through with it. I just, I don't understand his reasoning for it. Does he know at this point that Victoria is marrying Barkas? I don't. Oh yeah, he does because. Yeah, Mayhew comes down and it tells him. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I don't know, I feel like that's not enough for him to kill himself over. I don't know. No, but I think I think he's almost starting to fall for Emily. Oh, okay. Because, like, we, we have that scene with the piano, right? Right. And, like, he knows that they connect really well together. And if he mm-hmm. doesn't have Victoria to go back to, then, like what's the point i guess okay yeah but it, it's it's the whole casper theory too right like <laughs> children's movie glorifying suicide yeah like he's, he's ready to just take the plunge um yeah but 
I think it's that whole piano scene because they really connect playing that piano. Like they both have yeah. the love for this instrument and they're both very good at playing it. Uh-huh. And I think like pianists have like this sort of quality to them. Like they're yeah. just, I don't know, like the there's like a stereotypical aspect with people who are very good at playing piano. But I don't know. I don't know if that's the if that. I guess was maybe the they, point. maybe they didn't have enough time to think about it. I don't know. But that that makes sense. Yeah. This movie is very short too, so I think he like fast tracks a lot of stuff in this one. It is. It's only like an hour, fifteen minutes, or yeah, something yeah. like that. But because uh, like he seemed so shocked whenever he like was overhearing that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, so now they're going to, I guess, decide to do the wedding upstairs at the real church. Yeah. And like this, I didn't really get either. Cause like before they did take a potion to get back up there, but now everyone's just going up there and like, <laughs> like, oh, fuck it. Let's go haunt these people. Yeah. But uh, I did love this whole scene whenever they crash the... The house. I don't know if it's a if it's at the wedding or the house. Whenever all like, oh no, they do this. They go to the town. It's at the church. Yeah. Oh, it's at the church. Okay, but like they, all of the people outside like see all these dead people, and then they realize that it's like their loved ones that mm-hmm. have been dead. Like the old lady that's like trying to fucking oh, kill man. them, and like, and then she's, and then the guy's like, "Hey, it's so and so," and she's like, "Oh my god, you've been dead for fifteen years." <laughs> That old lady was great. She was like going oh, yeah. kung fu on all these people with her walker. Yeah. <laughs> there was another there was another one too that I thought was really good. Uh fuck. I can't remember. It was like another character realized who their loved one was. I don't know. I can't remember. Anyways. Well, there was like the the little boy that like went up. Yes, yes, the grandfather. Yeah. That's the yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the dog or like, sniff each other's butts. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> um, so now they're in the church. They're about to get married. And Victor's, like, ready to go through with it. But then uh, Victoria comes in because she ends up leaving Barkas after, like, the wedding ceremony kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're about to do it, and then Emily sees Victoria, and she kind of, like, starts crying a little bit, and she she goes back on it. She's like, I can't do this. Like, I... What does she say? Um, I have the quote. All right. Okay. Uh, so, she, Emily says, I was a bride. My dreams were taken from me, but now I've stolen them from someone else. I love you, Victor, but you are not mine. Yeah. Which I thought was really good. Like, that's a really good line. To it was a really touching moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Because, yeah. like, Victor's about to do this, like, kill himself. <clears throat> and then Emily yeah. sees her and, you know, she's like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a really uh, touching moment. Uh, so they don't end up getting married. And then Barkis comes in and he tries killing um, Victor. I thought the fight between them was really cool. Yeah. Like, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Victor has a fork. Yeah. 
And then he's about to barks with the stab. Victor and Emily steps in front and gets stabbed, and she's dead. Obviously, she wasn't hurt her. But then she realizes that it's Lord Barkus who killed her. Um, mm-hmm. And I love the scene whenever Barkus realizes that when he's about to kill like Victoria, like he's about to like kind of like not kill her, but he's saying like he's hinting towards it. Yeah. And then she's just like, Oh, my family, <laughs> we're not rich. We're poor as hell. <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> and it's just, I don't know. I loved it. He's just like so shocked. And he's like, I'm getting your dowry. That's part of the thing. And she's like, well, actually we're poor. Uh, the whole thing is we're marrying to not be poor. Yeah, we thought you were rich. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, Emily ends up uh, taking the stab. Mm-hmm. And then she... Oh, Barkus ends up like getting pulled into this room. So, obviously, he gets killed. No, Barkus drinks the poison. Oh, yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, Barkus drinks the poison. And then he immediately turns like kind of blue, like how um, mm-hmm. Mayhew was. Yeah. And then they all like leave, going to back downstairs. And then Emily walks out the front of the church, and then she just turns into butterflies. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that was kind of like her, maybe going into the afterlife. Well. If you take one theory of like, uh, like people who believe in the supernatural and whatnot, mm-hmm. so if you're if there's a ghost or if you're being haunted by a ghost or anything like that, it's said that they have unfinished business if they're still able to communicate with the living somehow, right? Yeah. So I'm wondering, like how you said, like yeah, so this underground where all these dead people are, if they have unfinished business and that's just kind of like where they hang out before they go into like the true afterlife. Mm-hmm. So if Emily now has this unfinished business, she's okay with, with being alone, with being dead. So she's just, that's it now. Yeah. Like she has nothing more to communicate with the living about. Mm-hmm. Or if she wanted to out Barkus too. Yeah. Yeah. That's true too. Actually, uh, that makes more sense. I think because mm-hmm. you kind of did get the wedding she wanted, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's pretty much how the movie ends. Victor yeah. and Victoria. Technically, they were both like married, but their vows were like till death do us part, and both of their mm-hmm. partners died. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, kind of. Okay. Kind of. Have you ever heard of the fan theory that connects Frank and Weenie, the corpse bride, and the Nightmare Before Christmas? Is it the dog? Yeah. 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 Do you do you believe that there's any truth to it? Mm, I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch Frank and Weenie, but... Because mm-hmm. all the dogs look the same in the three movies. They do look very similar. Mm-hmm. So I have the theory pulled up for anybody who's listening that maybe doesn't know about it. Um, It's quick. It's a quick read. Okay, sure. So Tim Burton's stop motion pictures, Vincent, which is actually uh, 
like it's a short film that's kind of in the same vein as well. Mm-hmm. So Vincent, Frank and Weenie, The Nightmare Before Christmas and The Corpse Bride are in the same universe, all about a boy and his dog. Starting with the movie, Vincent, a disturbed child named Vincent, wanted to turn their dog Abercrombie into a zombie, resulting in the dog being given away. Next, in Frank and Weenie, Abercrombie is then adopted by a boy named Victor, who renamed him Sparky. The boy's dog ended up dying in the end, so they buried him in a pet cemetery. Sparky then becomes a spirit in an afterlife world called Halloween Town. He is then adopted by Jack Skellington, who renamed him Zero. Victor's parents eventually get him a new dog to get over Sparky, and Victor names the dog Scraps. Scraps died, and Victor loses it, runs away, and eventually is adopted by the Van Dorts. This all leads to the Corpse Bride, where we see Scraps return as a skeleton. If you notice, all three dogs in Vincent, The Nightmare Before Christmas, and Frankenweenie are similar in size, have the same nose shape and and size of their nose as well. So it's almost like the dogs connect all the movies. Yeah, I can see that. It makes sense. I don't know it if does. that's just a just a conspiracy or what, or if there's any truth to it. Yeah, it's like the whole uh, uh, Pixar theory too, right? Like that's all. Oh yeah, in the same universe, which is fucking nuts. Like all the different connections to mm-hmm. all the movies. It's crazy. Well, they always put like Easter eggs in their movies, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I just wanted to bring that up because I, I think it's a cool theory, and I could see it being true. In yeah, some, me too. Some yeah. Form. that's all. Cool. Very nice. Do we have any blood splattering or? Um, <laughs> that's the way the butterflies fly. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, all right. Let's talk about our reviews. What right. uh, What did you give the story? So, story, I give it a six out of ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said a beautifully written story about love, loss, and what you do to keep it. I thought the characters were fun and quirky. That's all I really wrote. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, quality, give an eight out of ten. A wonderfully animated movie that is designed well. I like the use of colors in it. The voice acting is great, and the score is classic Danny Elfman. Very nice. Um, also, I didn't think that sounded like Johnny Depp at all. Yeah, he did a good job at changing his voice. He did a really sure. good job, yeah. So, yeah. 6 out of 10 and 8 out of 10. Cool. Um, I also gave my story a 6 out of 10. Okay. Um, I said there's not, or on the surface, there's not really much to the movie in regards to a story, but if you dive deeper into it, uh, like you realize that there's a lot of undertones and some of them aren't exactly pretty. I've kind of, I already talked about it earlier, but like the whole movie with like the contrast between the living and the dead and whatnot. And, and it's almost as if Tim Burton is suggesting that like death is beautiful and the afterlife is better than, than, uh, the upstairs life, if you want to call it that, um, so I thought that was like a kind of a cool but dark way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ending was very quick and honestly left me a little upset that there wasn't more to it after having such a great time with the rest of the movie. If you turn this 74 minutes into a full 90 with an extended ending, I would be a lot more happier. Okay. And my quality, I gave it a 10 out of 10. Oh, wow. I said the voice acting, the animation, 
Burton's signature directing style, Elfman's score, the soundtrack, characters, everything about this movie uh, in terms of quality is perfect for me. Um, it's right up there with The Nightmare Before Christmas for like animated movies. And I said Burton is king. Very nice. I do. I like The Nightmare Before Christmas more than this. But I mean, it's it's a good, I don't want to say follow up, but it's it's a good follow up to it. Yeah, I can agree with that. I used to watch the shit out of this movie back in the day, too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so a 6 out of 10 and a 10 out of 10. Very nice. All right, you guys know our scores. Let's head on over to Rotten Tomatoes and see what they've scored it. The critics' consensus. As can be expected from a Tim Burton movie, Corpse Bride is whimsically macabre. Visually imaginative and emotionally bittersweet. It's a good summation. It is, yeah. So based on that, what do you think the critics scored it? Uh, I'm going to go with an 82. Oh, you're so close. What is it? 84. Ah, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On 197 reviews and a 7.2 out of 10. And the audience rating was a 77% on 250,000 ratings and an average score of 3.9 out of 5 or 7.8 out of 10. Very nice. That's uh, pretty close to a letterbox score. Yep. Letterbox is a 3.7 out of 5. Um, I give it a 3.5 out of 5. You gave it a 4. Uh, Josh from Horror Movie Crew gave it a 3.5. Anthony from Porcelain Peak give it a four out of five. Uh, who else we got on here that we know? Uh, Jensen gave it a three and a half. Yep. He said, <laughs> um, "I'd rather stay in the afterlife in this film. It seems much much better than the living." That's I can true. agree with that. Uh, who else? Anyone else we know? A lot of people watch this movie, so uh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Sweet. So, I mean, pretty much a, a group consensus with everybody that uh, that yeah. we're close with. Yeah, it's a good movie. <clears throat> and this is an easy watch, too, because it's only like an hour hmm. 15 minutes. So Yeah, exactly. It's, it's an episode of Inventing Anna. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just for this month, considering that it is a musical... Uh, March musicals, sorry. Um, we had to have a section added in for the soundtrack of this movie, or of yeah. these these movies for this month, I should say. So the first section is Grammy or Razzie. <laughs> so with this section, we are going to rate the soundtrack of the movie out of ten, um, uh-huh. not the score necessarily but like the soundtrack yeah so this the singing parts like the parts that are actually performed yeah so what did you give this soundtrack for a rating brooke so i would give this unfortunately a razzie Mm. um it's not bad but i gave it a three out of ten okay okay uh it's just there's only like honestly like three songs or four songs in the movie mm-hmm. like that have singing parts to it. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and like we're not talking about like the piano and the score and all that, just the songs. So yeah, three to ten for me. Like comparing this to Night Before Christmas, I mean, I won't remember any of these songs after watching this movie, yeah. uh, except maybe one that I'm, I picked, obviously. But yeah, with like Night Before Christmas, just every song in that that album is memorable and you know the words to it so Mm -hmm. not only are they memorable but they've also been covered by like big name musicians too yeah yeah like marilyn manson has a cover of this is halloween and it's fucking incredible yeah i think uh corn does or Mm -hmm. another band i forget to but anyway yeah yeah, so three out of ten okay um and then well do you want to just say what yours is and we'll go into the next category sure uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll give it a grazzy, I guess it, I gave it a six out of 10. So pretty much right in okay. the middle. Yeah. Um, I said, it's not the greatest Burton and Elfman team up, but some of the songs were fun enough to sing along to. Um, I do wish that there was more like how you said, like the, it's a very limited, uh, soundtrack to go by, but, um, I think just the way that they're performed, they're, they're fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> so a six out of ten and i don't know i guess like a partial grammy all right and the next section is uh picking one song to add to your spotify or amazon music playlist yes uh for me this one was pretty easy uh it's the song remains of the day mm-hmm. which was the bone jangle song of him explaining what happened with emily yeah because that whole song is so good, man. Like they have like the skeletons like taking each other apart, playing the instruments. Like you get a solo in this movie of like just like a musical breakdown, mm-hmm. and like the dancing in it is awesome. Um, just a fun song. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree one hundred percent. Remains of the day was my favorite song on the soundtrack as well. Nice. Um. And it's probably like, it's the one that's most memorable. The one that you can sing along to the most, if you've seen this movie enough. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a good time. I mirror everything that you're saying about it. Well, I guess we'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready for the scare section? I am. What did you give it for a scare rating? I give it a one out of ten. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like a children's movie, not really, I guess, but yeah, it's not overly scary. There's a couple like really cool design characters, but yeah, so one out of ten. Nice. Um, scary scene. I mean, this was tough, but I gotta go with the chef that had his eye hanging out of his fucking head. <laughs> I mean, that was disgusting, but, uh, yeah, he was creepy. Yeah. And would I survive? Um, yes, I would, because I, I think I would be like Victor in this. Like I would just, I'm clumsy and shit. So I just, I would definitely put a rain on a skeleton hand without realizing it. So (laughs) I would survive. Nice. Nice. Um, I found that the, cause there's three chefs, right? Like they kind of reminded me of the, the fates from Hercules. Yeah, that's a good point actually. 
how the one's eye kept popping out and shit like that. All right. Uh, my scare rating, I also gave it a one out of 10. I said some of the characters were pretty creepy for an animated movie, but all in all, it's still just an animated movie and not overly scary at all. Uh, scary scene, I said Lord Barkus's chin. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That shit was a fucking cutting board, man. Uh, what I survived, I said, yes, no one in this movie is actively looking to kill anyone. Barkus and Mayhew were the only deaths we see in the movie. And like one was from a heart attack and one was from being a greedy prick and drinking poisoned wine. <laughs> so, I mean, like nobody, there's no, no killers really, except for Barkus. But yeah, I mean, I'm not rich and I'm not a woman, so I don't think he's going to marry me for my money <laughs> and try and kill me. Very nice. And I guess that's it. Yes, sir. That's it. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, we already know what movie you're picking next week, but do you want to go ahead and uh, just say it again? Sure. So next week we are watching uh, Trey Parker's Cannibal the Musical. <laughs> I need to find out where to watch this movie. Me too. I mean, I'm guessing it's probably on YouTube, but... I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm insanely excited to watch this. So, me too. I've never heard of it before, but me I mean, either. So. We're South Park fans, so Trey Parker is—he's uh, up there in our books, I think. So, yeah, should be a fun watch. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, if you guys want to catch us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcast on Elm Street. If you click the link in our bio on Instagram, you'll find links to our Public account where we have our merch. There's also links to our Patreon account if you wish to support the podcast that way. And we have links to both of our individual Letterboxd accounts, our Discord server, our Twitch account, and anywhere that you can listen to us. Mm-hmm. And that is all. That is it until next week. <laughs> Time to play Elden Ring for the rest of the night. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. We'll catch you next week. See you later.